appreciate that tonight. If you have your Bibles this evening, we're interested in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 9, for just a little while. Hebrews chapter 9. We want to begin reading in the 15th verse. And I'll ask you if you would stand to your feet as we honor the reading of God's precious word. Hebrews 9, verse number 15. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, and that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. And where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. We'll stop reading right there. Hebrews 9, verses 15 through 22, if correctly read. From this passage, difficult passage tonight, a lot of meat here. Pray that we can rightly divide through it, amen. The Lord's going to have to help us and the Holy Ghost to keep us interested. But we're going to preach on the book, the blood, and the blessed hope. And we need it tonight. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us now to rightly divide it and preach it in the power of the Holy Spirit. God, empty me of sin. Cleanse me of it, Lord. Empty me of self. Cleanse me and purge me of self. And fill me with your spirit that, God, you might use us to be a, a help and an encouragement to your people. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this opportunity. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. A wealthy woman left all her properties to a Christian university. Her children found out, and they were irate. They were furious that all their mother's properties after she died were being donated to a Christian university. They contested the will, but there was nothing they could do. They could not overturn it. What had happened? They were out of her will. I want to say tonight that Jesus has a will. Not just the will of God that I'm speaking about, but I'm talking about a last will and testament. And if Jesus has a will, and he does, and I'm holding a copy, I'm asking you a question, are you in it? Jesus made this statement in the upper room to his disciples in Luke 22, 20. He took, you remember, he took uh, the bread and he broke it, said, this is my body. And then he took the cup and he began to drink it. He said, the cup is the new testament in my blood, which is shed for you. New testament, new covenant, new agreement. 
God's will to his people. Number one tonight, I want us to look at the book. Now, words can be used to express love or hate. Words can be used to break up homes. It can destroy friendships. Words can be used to start wars. Words can be used to mend hearts. Words can be used to resolve uh, things that are broken at home. Words can be used to make friendships. God's word is perfect. It's powerful. It's pure. You'll find that God's word has 66 books. You'll find that God's word has 1,189 chapters. You'll find that God's word has 31,102 verses. You'll find that God's word has 783,137 words. Perfect words. Pure words. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.25, The word of the Lord endureth forever. Psalm 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. His word declares that all have sinned. His word declares that Jesus died for all. His word declares that all must repent. His word declares that all who come unto him will in no wise be cast out. His word says in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are you saved through faith. His word says in Romans 10.17, Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Now this will, it is mediated by Christ's blood and we learn about it in his book, verse 15. For this cause he is the mediator of, of the New Testament. He has earned the right to be the mediator. It is he that suffered. It is he that shed his blood. It is he that died on the cross. A will is a legal statement of how a person intends for his heirs to inherit and to use those properties or his wealth. Jesus is the mediator of this will because he gave his life. What happened? Look. That by means of death, I underline that in my Bible. Hey, by means of death, he is the mediator. Because he died, because he suffered, because he paid the price, he gets to determine, amen, how the will goes, who the beneficiaries are, and who the executor of his will will be. Now, in the Old Testament, men would shed the blood of animals that their sins might be forgiven. Verse number 9 says which was a figure, that means a symbol, a representation, for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did surface perfect as pertaining to the conscious. In other words, they had the tabernacle, ceremony, services, all of those things, if you'll listen to me, were a shadowy picture of things which were to come. The Jews got so into the shadowy picture that they missed the real thing, which is the Lord Jesus. Let me say it like this. I recently had a grandbaby born to our family, Shelby and Brian. Uh, sometime back, they came and said, Mom, Dad, we're going to have a baby. They came to us with a sonogram. It was a picture of little baby Isla inside the womb. 
Brother Bob, it was a shadowy picture. You could just barely make anything out that it even was a baby. And we just continued to watch that sonogram. Now, now the baby is born. I saw her earlier today. Now, if Shelby came to me and says, Hey, Dad, do you want to hold Isla? I would be a fool to say, Oh, no, I have a sonogram of her. I don't need to hold her because I have a sonogram. I mean, which is better? Is a sonogram, the shadowy picture, better than the real thing? No. So the ceremonies and, and, and all the sacrifices, they are not better than the real thing, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. They're obsessed with shadowy pictures and they're neglecting reality. The Bible says in verse 15 that for the redemption of the transgressions, they were under the first testament. Now, what does that mean? Uh, no one's uh, sin is washed away until Jesus died. Wait a minute, preacher dear. You just said in the Old Testament, those people were putting their faith, the Messiah was coming, they were shedding blood of animals once a year that their sins might be forgiven. But the blood of animals cannot put away sin. It only covers sin. It's like, it's like a credit card payment, okay? You have a credit card, and you go out and you run that credit card, but what that's saying is there's going to be a future payment in full of the purchases I've just made. When Jesus died on the cross, that was the payment for sins of the Old Testament and sins of the New Testament. It is a payment, I need amen right here, of all sins that will ever be committed. Only Jesus' blood can wash away sins. Now, look in verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal Redemption for us. Verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, listen, better than the blood of bulls, better than the blood of goats, better than the ashes of a heifer, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Amen. The blood of Jesus is so much better. Amen. Thank God for it tonight. Now, I got to thinking, he says in verse 15, that they which are called might receive the promise of, in, of eternal inheritance. Amen. Jesus, when he died on the cross, paid my sin debt, and he made me a child of God. Amen. John chapter 1 and verse number 12 makes this statement. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed in his name. Thank God for it. There was a man. He was crying. He, a friend walked up and said, why are you crying? He said, old man Rockefeller died. He said, why are you crying? You're not related to old man Rockefeller. He said, I know that's why I'm crying. He left millions to people and I didn't get none. Amen. Listen. Jesus died, thank God, and we are his heir. And he rose from the grave and we're going to be with him forever. Look, look with me. Now, now, Jesus made a will. And he says, these are all the things that you're going to receive when I die. But the will is only good if somebody dies. There has to be a death for the will 
to be enacted, for it to be validated, for it to be activated. Now look with me in verse 16. For where a testimony is, that's a will, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. The testator must die. Jesus died for the will to be put in full effect. The, old, the Jews could not understand that Messiah would die. They believed Messiah would be a military leader that would come and overthrow all other oppressors and all other kingdoms and the kingdom of God would be established and the Jews would be A number one. That's what they believed. But they missed Isaiah 53 that the Messiah would die. They missed a Psalm 22 that the Messiah would die. Now, when Jesus died to the Jew, it's a stumbling block. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, 23. We preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Gentiles foolishness. The Gentiles look and say, how can a Savior be one who died upon a Roman cross? There, there is weakness in that. But honey, I'm telling you there's strength because on that Roman cross, He took your sins and my sin and shed His blood to wash our sins away and cast them as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered against us anymore. Thank God for it. Now, verse 17. For a testament, that's the will, is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. There must be a death. Now think about it. I thought about this. The prodigal son in the book of Luke. He came to the father and said, Father, I want my inheritance now. I can't wait till you're dead. I wish you were dead. That's what he's saying. It's an insult to the father. Do y'all see that? It was an insult to the father for the boy to say, I want my inheritance now. I wish you were dead. And the father gave it to him anyway. And the boy went and squandered it all. And when he came to his senses in the middle of the hog lot, he said, I'll arise and go back to my father. Hey, hey man. And he asked, forget. Hey, and the father forgave him and restored him back to be as a child. Hey, man, what a blessing that is. Here's what Jesus did. You and I, for you and I to become an heir, for you and I to become children of God, for you and I to be saved, to have our sins forgiven, Jesus must die. How is God going to die? God who never changes. God who ever liveth. God who always has been. How are we going to be forgiven if God does not die? God sent his son who laid down his life willingly. No man took his life from him. Preacher Darren, I think the cross did it. Oh, no. I think the Romans did it. Oh, no. He bowed his head. He said, it is finished, and bowed his head and gave up the ghost. And when he did, what he's saying is, all that I have is yours. Hey, preacher, how do you know? Because that's what the book says. It's the will of God, the testament of the Almighty unto us. Thank God for it tonight.
Preacher Darren, what are some of the things I got did with this inheritance? Eternal life. Answered prayers. The Holy Ghost living in you to comfort you. I mean, if you think you're depressed now, take away the Holy Ghost out of your life and you'll lose your mind. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit of God. Just to name a few, amen. So that is the book. The book tells us all these things. Then number two, there is the blood. You see, a will, a testament, a last testament, it demands death. And I want you to know that forgiveness demands blood. Now look with me here. It's pictured in verse 18. Without or whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. Preacher Darren, what is this first testament? What is this old testament you keep talking about? Well, he says in verse 19, For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop, that's like a, a type of a plant, and he sprinkled both the book and the people. Preacher Darren, what? Let's read about it. Let's go back to the book of Exodus, chapter 19, and let's read about this event. Exodus chapter 19, verse number 3. Let's just read a little bit and get a, get a setting of what's happening. Exodus 19, verse 3. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine. You shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. Let's go to chapter 24, verse number 3. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord hath said will we do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning morning, and builded an altar under the hill and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. He sent young men of the children of Israel which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. So here we got a picture. Moses is taking the blood. 
Half of it he's put on the altar. The altar, which represents God. God said, you can put it on me. Amen. So he sprinkled the blood upon the altar. Keep reading. And Moses took the blood. No, no, verse 7. He took the book of the covenant. And he read in the audience of all the, peop of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said will we do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people. Now imagine, you saw these young people standing here earlier tonight. Imagine I'd had blood. And I'd have started sprinkling. Y'all would have been diving out of the way. What's he doing? The preacher crazy. Throwing blood at us. Honey, you'd have done good to get under the blood. Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. He, the blood is going on the book. The blood is going on the people. Half the blood on the people. Half the blood on the altar. Amen. There's a covenant that we see there. Now, we go back to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 9. We see that this blood, this sprinkling of the blood, this picture of the blood is pictured in verses 18 through 21. He says in verse 20, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. Preacher Darren, why would he have to put blood on the tabernacle? Because sinful men came in there. He had to sprinkle blood on all the instruments, upon all the vessels, upon everything was used in service to God. Preacher Darren, why would he do that? Because sinful men used those instruments. And God says the life of the flesh is in the blood. God said the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There must be a sprinkling of the blood. Verse 22 of Hebrews 9 says, Almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Now, preacher, then I have a problem with the thing. Almost all things. Listen, your Bible is very detailed. There are some things that didn't have to be purged with blood, like the ashes of the heifer. You put water on those, right? So that's not that wouldn't be included in all things. So I don't have a problem with what it's saying there. But what he's saying is, your sins, all sins, must be put under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ or it cannot be taken away. Remission, the Hebrew or the Greek word here for remission means to put it, get it like this and to take it away and to do away with it. To cast as far as the east is from the west for your sins to be remitted, for your sins to be done away with. God must, you must take your sin and say, Lord, will you forgive me? I believe in Jesus who died on the cross, was buried and rose again. And he takes your sin when you confess your sin and he takes it away. He's faithful and just, amen, to take all your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Are y'all okay? I'm getting worried about you. He's provided this sacrifice. Hey, look here. 1 Peter chapter 1. Preacher Darren, too much Bible turning. Honey, I'll never have enough scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. 
If you're redeemed by something else, honey, you're not redeemed. It can't be bought with silver and gold. It can't be bought with who your family is, honey. It'll only be remitted by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of bulls and of goats and the keeping of the law in the Old Testament economy was done away with because Jesus offered himself one time upon the cross of Calvary that we might be saved. Amen. The blood makes atonement for us. I preach to Darren, I don't know about this washing in the blood and this sprinkling in the blood. And May I say to you tonight, there's a sense in the which for all of these that stood here tonight and all of these that sat here tonight, will you hear me? There's a sense in which if you're saved, you have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. There's a sense in which you have been sprinkled. The blood of Jesus Christ has been sprinkled upon you. You have a book in your lap that's been sprinkled by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's a scarlet thread woven all through the pages of the Word of God. And of all those 1,189 chapters, Hebrews 9 is the bloodiest chapter of all of them. One man said to me, he said, I don't believe, preacher, in your slaughterhouse religion. It makes no sense to me in the substitutionary atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, well, you'd have to be a heretic to deny the blood of Jesus to remit our sins. Read Hebrews 9. There's no other way, youngins. No other way. Now, I want to talk about this being washed in the blood. In Revelations chapter 1 and verse number 5. At the end of the verse, I love this. It says, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. You're not washed in Tide Pods. You're not washed in Woolites. You're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. There was a man one time, a young man, ran away from home. His mother put posters everywhere to try to find him. She could not find him. Looked and looked for years. And one day, every day at church, the preacher says, anybody have a prayer request? Pray for my son. I mean, everybody knew when the preacher said, do you have a prayer request? That lady's going to jump up and say, pray for my boy. He's run away. They thought, Lord God, she ain't never coming home. Why don't you give up? But that mother's love would not give up. With God, all things are possible. One Sunday, as she was standing to talk to the rector, which was the preacher, there came in a man, a man who had long, stringy, greasy hair, smelled like a beer factory and a brewery, had clothes tattered and torn. He was a mess, hadn't had a bath for days. She recognized him out of the sight of her eye as her boy. You know what she did? She didn't go back and kick him. She didn't go back and whip him. She didn't go back and grab him by the nap of the neck and say, boy, where you been? Honey, she loved him just as he was. Amen. Sat down with him. The preacher preached. He came to the altar and he got saved. May I say that God loved you just as you were a sinner and then he washed you. The Bible says he loved you, then he washed you. It is not reverse order. He did not wash you, then love you. He loved you when you were yet unclean. I'm thinking about, I believe it's 1 Peter I want to go to. I'm thinking about 1 Peter's on my mind. 1 Peter chapter number 1. I want to look at verse number 2. Peter is writing here. <clears throat> Elect, according, verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience 
and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been washed and sprinkled in the blood of Jesus Christ. We say, preacher, Darren, this is a gory religion you're talking about. No, honey, I'm telling you, it's a glory religion. Amen. Not gory. I got another verse on my heart. It's in Romans chapter 5. You got to see it. Romans chapter 5. Please turn there. I want to read verse number 8. Romans chapter 5. These verses just keep popping in my mind. Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. There is power in the blood of Jesus. And it cleanses the vilest of sinners clean. Woo! Hallelujah. That's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not done yet. Look, go back with me. Hebrews chapter 9. I'm almost there. Verse 23. It was, watch this. This is beautiful. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. Patterns of things to be purified with these. Preacher Darren, why are you talking about the patterns of things? God showed Moses a pattern from heaven of the tabernacle, of the Ark of the Covenant, and all the instruments that should be used and had Moses to make them upon the earth. Hebrews chapter 8. Turn there with me. Y'all didn't say amen, so I'm going to pull the book on you. I'm preaching the book, amen. Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 8. Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. God showed Moses a pattern of everything that was to be made. And I'm telling you that the blood of bulls and of goats and of lambs were shed that those things might be cleansed every year because sinful men used them. Now go back to our text. This is getting ready to get deep. And you're going to have to think. Verse 23, it was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. With these, what's these? The blood. The blood. They were using the blood of goats and of bulls and all those things. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. What is the better than the, blo the, the, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heaven? What's better than that to cleanse? I mean, the Bible says without shedding of blood, there's no remission. I'll tell you what's better. Jesus' blood. Those things are shadows. Much more than how much better is the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands. Ooh, ooh, did you know? Did, did you? Listen, this is going to rock your world. Did you know that Jesus was not allowed to walk into the holy of holies on earth because he was of the tribe of Judah? He wasn't a Levite. He couldn't go in there. 
But how much better is heaven than the things that's on earth? And as the Son of God, as prophet, priest, and king, as Lord and Savior, he walked in to the Holy of Holies in heaven. Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself. Now, now, to appear in the presence of God for us. You know what he said? God said, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Jesus sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat, and God's wrath said, satisfied, satisfied. Anyone who comes to the blood is now being made a child of God, and my wrath is satisfied. And he says, Father, if you'll accept me, will you accept them in my name? And he said, come on in, son. <laughs> and now we're welcomed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 25, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. Others. Bulls, goats, lambs, right? The blood of others. Every year they had to come in and offer the blood anew and afresh, anew and afresh. For then must he have often suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. In other words, what he's saying is he's come one time, gave his life, he woo, took the blood into heaven itself and sprinkled it on the mercy seat one time. It's not a continual sacrifice. One time, we'll do it. How many times was he born of a virgin? How many lives did he live on earth? One, one. He died one time. He arose one time. He went back to heaven one time. And he's going to come a second time. Amen. To receive those that look for him. Amen. I like this. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Thirdly, and I'll be done. There is the book. We've seen it. The blood, and I can barely do it justice. Thirdly, there is the blessed hope. Now, biblical hope is a certain confident expectation that's in the midst of dismal circumstances. Biblical hope is not based on maybe so. It's not a maybe so. It speaks of the present and it speaks of the future. Now, the will of God has been activated. It's been validated. It's been moderated, amen, when I get to thinking about this, there are people that I have seen where uh, someone died, the will was executed, the beneficiaries knew what they were getting, but there were those that opposed them, and they tied it up legally, and they began to argue, contest, and feud. I know y'all have never heard of this, but I've heard people say, I wish that so-and-so was still here so they could tell you what they were thinking when they wrote this will. I have news for you. He's coming again, and he's going to tell us 
exactly what the, he's going to explain it more clearly than we've ever heard it before, amen. Now, verse 27, uh, verse, yeah, 27, the Bible says, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment, if you're a lost man, the great white throne judgment is where you're going to end up. You're going to hear him say, depart from me, I never knew you. They're going to be cast into the lake of fire. For we that are saved, we're going to, our sins were judged at Calvary. We're going to be raptured home, but we will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. That we may receive rewards for what we've done with this eternal life Jesus gave us. There are five crowns in the Bible that you can win. And where you may say, well, preacher, it doesn't matter to me. All that it matters to me is that I got saved. Well, that's good. That's good. But after I got saved, I want to do something for him. And I want to have something to lay at his feet. The Bible says they cast their crowns at Jesus' feet. I want to have something to lay at his feet, amen. And I won't get into what all those crowns are because that's about five other messages. But I begin to think about the Lord has said that you have a life to live and you'll be given the opportunity to be saved. It's a point of a man wants to die, but after this, the judgment. Now here's the blessed hope. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Jesus is coming again. That is the blessed hope. Titus 2.13 Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, by transferring the guilt of my sin to Jesus, he transferred to me the innocency and the righteousness of God to me. And now I've been made a child of the king. I am a joint heir with Jesus. Preacher, you've lost your mind. I want to read one more verse and I'm done. Romans 8. Romans 8. I know it's a lot to take in, but it's a blessing. Romans 8, 17. Let's look at 16 too, just because it's so good. I promise I'm quitting right here. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. The book, the blood, the blessed hope. Now imagine standing in that congregation with Moses and him start slinging and doling out the blood. And everybody's thinking, oh no, my new sweater. Oh no, somebody better go get the wool line. What am I going to do? Honey, the best thing that'll ever be over you is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. His blood has power. Preacher Darren, it's been thousands of years. I, I mean, just the other day, I cut my, my thumb. It took about, I don't know, 
two or three minutes to scab over. And then I worked again and hit that scab and opened it up again. Honey, the blood of Jesus is not scabbed over. It is fresh as a daisy, amen. It's even better, amen. And it's there still for you and I to put our sins under it. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 7, the Bible says that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth, cleanseth. I don't like that T-H on the end of it. That, he just sung, how great thou art. You didn't have a problem with it. Cleanseth, present participle, continual action. It's still cleansing me even right now. Can you feel the sprinkle of the blood going over you? Thank God for it, amen. You stand to your feet. Oh, if you're here and you've never been saved, boy, this would be a good night to be saved. Maybe there's somebody here say, Preacher Darren, I'm going to go to the altar. I want to thank God for the book that told me about the blood that's revealed to me the blessed hope. Thank you, God, for opening its pages to us down through the years that I might have understanding. I want to go to the altar tonight. I want to pray, oh, God, would you enlighten me further? Oh, God, I have prayer requests. Oh, Lord, one of the things that I've been given as a child of God, is the opportunity to come before your throne and to pray. That's, a, that's one of my privileges. And tonight I'm enacting the privilege, and I'm coming in Jesus' name. Maybe you need to come tonight. Mind him. Mind him. Our Father and our God, as we bow in your presence, Lord, we praise you, we honor you, and we glorify you. Thank you, Father, for saving our souls and for giving our sins. Thank you for paying the utmost price and shedding the blood of your Son and giving his life for our salvation. And, Father, as we bow in this place with the book of God in our hand and with the blessed hope in our heart and the blood of Jesus covering us, Lord, we bow to say thank you we're so eternally grateful. And God, there's requests of prayer that we have. Lord, we need, Lord, to grow and mature in the faith. We need your help tonight, Lord. There's hurts. There's wounds. There's problems. There's storms. There's complications. There's situations. God, tonight, would you help us through them? God, would you see us safely? to the other side of these events. God, would you pilot our ship and take us safely home? Lord, tonight, we thank you for the blessings of God. And Father, we pray that you would continue to open your pages of your word and explain to us the promises and precepts thereof. And let us, God, have wisdom and understanding and discernment that we might help your people and that we may, might might make right choices. Lord, for this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.